Welcome to the Thriller Fiction Podcast, your source for gripping and twisty stories in a serialized format. And now, here's your host, Jim Heskett. Okay, so I've been teasing this for a couple of episodes, so now I'm just going to go ahead and get right into it. And I'm going to tell the story about how Museum Attack, the Lane Parish prequel novella, came to be. Let me set the Wayback Machine to August 2017. Uh, right, right around that time, I was attending the Writers Police Academy in Green Bay, Wisconsin, which was a really cool experience where I got to go learn all kinds of cop stuff and, and play cop for a weekend. Um, and it's helped my writing for sure. I learned a lot of stuff I was doing wrong, a lot of myths I was propagating about how cops work. Anyway, so right before that and right after, I had this idea about putting together a group of uh, thriller writers to collaborate on a, on a joint project together. And um, so I, I contacted a couple guys I knew, and we all agreed to, uh, uh, to work together. And I'm not going to say their names, not because it's any scandal, I just don't have their explicit permission to tell this story. Um, but I'll tell you what, if you go to jimheskett.com forward slash free, and you download Museum Attack, the uh, ebook, I do thank them in the acknowledgements at the back so it's not really that big of a secret if you want to find out who i'm talking about you can download the ebook and uh, and find out there anyway so we started collaborating on a project together and what we decided that we would do would that was that going to be that each of us were going to write a standalone novella featuring our main series characters and then the novellas were all going to were all going to revolve around a central theme. Like there was going to be one theme and there was going to be one specific event or, or like a series of events that happened all around the country that were all going to be tied together. And so our heroes were each going to deal with one particular aspect of this uh, sequence of events. So it was going to be like um, like an anthology, but like a three novella anthology. And that we're all tied together, you know, with bookended by a prologue and an epilogue that told a un- so that make all three stories tell a unified story. And so we worked back and forth on this for a while. You know, a few months went by, and all of us were busy, so we we're having trouble connecting. And I happened to have a blank spot in my writing schedule, so I told the guys, you know, like I I was the one who came up with the idea of what that unifying theme was going to be. Uh, the the sequence of events that would tie everything together and I pitched it to the guys and they were like yeah that sounds good we could do that so then I had some free time in my writing schedule usually like I'll finish the draft of something and then put it aside for a few weeks so I can let it marinate um, then I'll work on something else and then I'll come back to the first thing anyway so because I had this free time I was like I'm told them I'm just going to go ahead and write my story I'm going to go ahead and write my novella my part of it and they said okay sure um, and then I wrote it. And when I originally wrote Museum Attack, it was um, Micah Reed was the hero. And, and then I later rewrote it because I, I absolutely realized it would work much better as a Lane Parrish story. I mean, Lane Parrish is the gung-ho action hero. Uh, and he's also the spy hero guy. Micah Reed is more of like the... Um, uh, he's sort of unwitting most of the time. Like he finds himself in these extraordinary circumstances. Uh, not because of his badassery, but just because he just that just seems to keep happening to him. 
So anyway, so I wrote the story, and then some time went by, and the, the guys weren't able to get in their stories, and then we ultimately just decided that um, that collaborating at this time wasn't going to work. And I have to admit, I was a little bummed for a little bit because I had already written my story, uh, and I was looking forward to all of us collaborating on a thing. But, you know, I got over that pretty quickly um, because I did have a story, and all I had to do was go edit it. I, I changed the character from Micah to Lane, which involved changing some details of the story. You know, there's certain situations in the novella that Lane would handle differently than Micah. So I re rewrote some parts and I changed some things so that it wasn't as much tied into the overall theme that we were going to write as three separate stories. But then I had this novella and I was trying to figure out what to do with it. And I had a cover because I was working with the cover designer for Shadow Soldiers, book one in the Lane Parish series. And this I had a cover that I didn't like for... Um, uh, for Shadow Soldiers, partially because the cover for Museum Attack, the the main guy or the, uh, the 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 model on the cover is pointing his guns at the camera, basically, and you can't sell a book like that on Amazon. Um, or you can sell it, but Amazon won't promote it. You can't run ads for those books because pointing guns at the camera is a no-no in terms of book covers. So I liked that cover, but I knew I couldn't use it. But if I was giving away this book for free on my website, I could certainly use that cover, and it would be a great—it um, would be a great purpose for this novella to serve—is that I could give it away for free on my website to entice people to join my reader group. So you give up your email address, and then I email you occasionally, like when I have a new release or when I'm running a giveaway, you know, just so you're up on the news. I email you, and in exchange, you get the uh, Museum Attack. You also get uh, Airbag Scars, which is another exclusive thing in the Micah Reed series. So it turned out that all of this, even though it was kind of unfortunate at the time that I didn't get to work with these two guys when I wanted to, everything really worked out great because now I have this story, and I could essentially do whatever I want with it, which is really very handy. And uh, so that's the story of how Museum Attack came to be. And I know last week when I, or not last week, but in the last episode when I teased it, I talked all about how it was a story of intrigue and betrayal and seduction. And you can see none of that was true. It was just like something that I thought was an unfortunate circumstance that actually turned out to work in my favor. You know, funny how that crap works. Anyway, today we're going to read chapter 12 and it's a shorter chapter. So let's go ahead and get on into it. Moving from the sixth floor down to the fourth floor and all that gear proved to be a challenge. Not that Lane couldn't handle the extra weight, and not that he wasn't comfortable holding a weapon. He'd held and fired many in his life, mostly before settling into the mountains of southern Colorado after his retirement. But he'd had to pull triggers a few times since then. No, what bothered him was the previous owner of the equipment, that someone so steeped in hate had donned this gear to terrorize and kill people for these sick reasons. How could a person fall into such a misguided belief system? Before he opened the door, he checked his weapons, M4 loaded and ready to go. He gritted his teeth and opened the door onto the fourth floor. He could hear them in the gallery room up ahead. With all the gear he had to inch forward to keep from clanging, he felt like a person and a half with all the various implements jutting from his frame. Eyes closed, he tried to listen to differentiate the individual voices, heard three, maybe four of them up ahead. Too many to take on directly? The odds were a little better, but still not great. 
He didn't even have a solid plan. His hope of manipulating them into splitting into small clusters so he could pick them off in manageable groups was slim. It might work once or maybe twice, but as soon as he started popping off shots, they would all know where he was. He wondered if they knew he wasn't downstairs any longer, if they were planning to send someone after him. A flash of memory appeared back when he was undercover on an operation was a completely different person, nicknamed Boy Scout. Lane and his team were searching an apartment building for a man who had stolen some of their mission gear. They started on the ground floor and worked their way up, scouring each floor. By the time they had climbed several flights of stairs, breathless and tired, they realized they were the ones being hunted. Their target had maneuvered behind them somehow and had stayed out of sight, keeping far enough away that they hadn't noticed this clever thief creeping up on them until it was almost too late. Lane had nearly died that day. Noticing the sound of a door clicking shut in the stairwell below him had saved his life. Being hunted was not the most comfortable feeling, and in that instance only one tracker was on their trail. If the invaders downstairs were onto him, they would send a dozen more. The odds seemed insurmountable. Then, to his left, the elevator door opened. Lane pivoted, M4 raised. He tried to swallow, but his throat seized up, a lump like a tennis ball. Out walked two men holding a woman by the arms, not Jasmine, though. They halted when they saw Lane, their eyes wide, taken completely by surprise. Lane's instincts told him to shoot, but he couldn't be sure he wouldn't hit the hostage. Let her go, he said. The man on the left unholstered a sidearm and lifted it toward the woman's head. She bucked against him, but the man's grip was too firm. He jabbed the nose of the pistol against her temple. Lane raised the sight to his eyes, but he was too late. The gun went off, a spray of red ejected from the woman's head as she jiggled like a rag doll. Lane pressed the trigger. He unleashed a stream of bullets in the direction of the two men. He thought he'd been prepared for the M4's kick, but it surprised him. The rifle's nose traveled up, and he shot much higher than he'd intended. Also, it became hot instantly in his hands. Even after a fraction of a second, he could feel it in his palms. Bullets peppered their body armor, knocking them both back. One round pierced the neck of the man on the left. Blood squirted as he spun, staggering. The other man fired back and bullets whizzed over Lane's head. He'd shot high, too. Lane ducked and tried to press the trigger again, but nothing happened. Gun jammed. The lone invader lowered the nose of his rifle amid the haze of ammunition fire. Lane didn't wait to eat a bullet. He launched to his right out of the path of the oncoming fire. His ears rang as shots ricocheted off the floor. Each blast made his eyes slam shut and he struggled to keep them open. His feet carried him backward through the door out into a stairwell. He stumbled back down the steps, landing halfway to the next floor. The entire exchange had lasted less than two seconds. Ten seconds and dozens of bullets. Two dead, one of them an innocent woman. He grunted and rolled over to rise to his feet, back aching. Lane had killed one but left the other alive. And now... They definitely knew he was here. All right, that is chapter 12. Oh my goodness, goodness, goodness. We are making our way through this novella quickly and speedily and hastily and also quickly. There are just chapters 13 through 19 to go. It's very exciting. I want to thank everybody for tuning in, especially that one person. You know who I'm talking about. And uh, that's really all I have to say about this. 
Thanks for listening to my rambling stories and also listening to my fiction. And I hope you guys uh, like listening to this as much as I like uh, reading it to you. Have a good one. That's it for this episode of the Thriller Fiction Podcast. Thanks for tuning in. Don't forget to rate and review the show on iTunes and visit jimheskett.com for more info and free thriller books.